Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. You know, that's a pretty powerful message when we sing uh, that the battle, you know, we're fighting a battle that's already been won. That should change our perspective as we go through life struggles and hardships to know that Christ has already uh, won that great battle. Pastor, thank you again for the opportunity to be able to bring God's Word this morning. I hope you know that I consider it a great honor uh, to be able uh, to share God's Word with you. Um, As I told you a couple of weeks ago um, when I was preaching uh, because of my Injury to my knee, I still can't go up the steps and I can't stand for too long. So I'm going to sit again. But as I told you a couple weeks ago, uh, Jesus, when he taught, mostly sat, and I'm just trying to be like Jesus, okay? So, so due to advancements in technology such as computers and tablets and smartphones, we're able to connect with people in ways like never before. Uh, If you have a smartphone, would you hold it up for me? Let me see it. I mean, most, uh, most of us in here have a smartphone, and I continue to be amazed at what smartphones can do. I mean, if you own a smartphone, basically, you're holding a small computer uh, in your hand, which is, which is crazy. And it's amazing how with just the touch of a single app uh, on our phone, we're able to receive the latest news of what's going on in the world. We're able to keep up with sporting news. We're able to find out what's going to go on with the weather. Uh, We're able to connect to the internet and basically find answers to questions uh, that we have. And through various social media platforms such as Facebook and Instagram, and there's there's many others, we're able to uh, stay in contact with family and friends uh, no matter where they are located. And with video Uh, chat apps such as FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, we're able to connect with people and people across the world. I mean, it really is amazing. But while technology has allowed us to connect with others like no other time in the history of the world, I wonder why is it that it seems like people today are more disconnected from one another than ever? You know, one of the things that the COVID-19 pandemic exposed was that many people are struggling with loneliness. I want you to think back with me uh, for a moment, back to those days when we were under quarantine. And thankfully, we had some of those video chat apps like FaceTime and Skype, and we were able to communicate uh, with people. But somehow this didn't fully satisfy our need for connection. And why was that? It's very simple. Because God has created us to live in community with other people. God has has created us to live in community with other people. You see, long before the COVID-19 pandemic, mankind has struggled with the problem of aloneness. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible tells us, Then the Lord God said, what? It is not good 
for man to what? Be alone. You see, this is the first time in Scripture that God looked at his creation and he saw that there was something that was not right, that it was not good. Now, don't don't miss this. Pastor Steve over the years has pointed this out many times. But before mankind ever had a sin problem, because remember, sin didn't enter into the world until Genesis 3. As Pastor Steve says, Genesis 2 comes before 3, right? Man had an alone problem. Because you see, God created man to live in community. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, the Bible tells us that God created man in his image. And part of being made in the image of God is that we were created to be relational beings. And why? Because God is a relational being. And we see that relationship play out in the Trinity, right? In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, God has placed within each of us a desire. I would even say a longing to live in community with others. When we talk about the term community, community can be understood in a variety of ways. It can be defined by geography, where a person lives. As Pastor Steve said earlier, right, most of us live in, in the LaGrange area, so we are a part of the LaGrange community. Community can be defined by culture or one's ethnicity. You hear phrases like the Latino community or the black community, the Asian community. It can be defined around schools right, where one maybe attends high school, one attends college. My wife, Bryn, is the principal out at Fayetteville, and they have a saying there that they are the Fayetteville Lions, and we are all one pride, right? What are they trying to communicate when they say we are one pride, that they are a community? Communities can form around hobbies, shared interests. Many times, uh, communities form around kids' uh, extracurricular activities. Uh, for many of the kids that participate in travel leagues, that they go off to these tournaments, parents are spending a lot of time around one another, and communities can form around there. Uh, even in the context of social media, we use community language. Uh, you hear them talk about a Facebook community. We even use phrases like our Facebook friends. Um, regardless, though, of your age, your ethnicity, socioeconomic background, we're all looking for community. But the question we must ask is, again, why is it that we're looking for this community? Again, I said we're, we're created to be in community, but then also there's something else there. Within each of us, there is this desire to belong. We all have it. We all want to belong. We all want to be part of something. And why? Because we're all hoping that that aloneness that we all experience can be removed. Church, there are many types of communities that you can connect with. However, there's only one type of community that God has created to take away your aloneness and meet your need to truly belong. And that community is a biblical community found in the context of a local church. This morning, in the time that we have remaining, I want us to consider the significance of biblical community. 
Would you pray with me again? Heavenly Father, Lord God, during this time, God, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would rain down upon us. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our ears, God, so that we may gain insight into your word and gain a better understanding of what this biblical community is that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. This, this morning, there are three things I would like for us to consider. First, I would like to consider the question, what does biblical community look like? What does biblical community look like? Secondly, what keeps us from experiencing biblical community? What keeps us from experiencing biblical community? And then lastly, I would like to offer you a couple of challenges regarding biblical community. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to consider this morning verses 42 through 47, Acts 2, 42 through 47, and if you would, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the fe- and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept fi- feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated and may the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. See, here in Acts chapter 2, we find the church in its infancy. And as we look at this this new group of believers, we see that there was something special about these first Christians. If you would, look with me again at the very last verse, the second part of verse 47. And it says, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those that were being saved. What was it that was so attractive about this new group of believers? What was it that was drawing people to them? For me, as I read the text, I think it was this community, this new community that had been formed. Because you see, this new community of believers was unlike anything that people had ever seen before. To be honest, it was like unlike anything that the world had ever seen before. So this brings us to the first question. What does biblical community look like? What does biblical community look like? Look with me again at verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What does biblical community look like? First, a biblical community is a devoted community. A biblical community is a devoted community. To be devoted to something means to do something with intense effort or to keep on or to persist in. Devotion is commitment to something. So what was it that these early Christians were devoted to? 
Well, the first thing it says is that they were committed to the apostles' teaching. For us today, that would be that a devoted community would be one that is committed to the Word of God. It's interesting that the first thing that Luke tells us about this biblical community is that they were hungry for God's Word. They couldn't get enough of it. It lends to the question then, are we hungry for God's Word today? And if not, why not? I wonder today if the reason why maybe some Christians aren't as hungry for God's Word as they, sh- as they should be is because we're spending too much time filling ourselves with other things. The things of this world. I wonder why churches today, more churches aren't hungry for God's Word. Because you see, there are plenty of churches that meet week after week and that meet multiple times a week, but yet they are not passionately devoted to the Word of God. You see, the backbone of a healthy Christian life and a biblical community is a commitment to the teaching and studying of the Word of God. There are not many things that I would tell you I can promise you this, okay? I don't say that often. But I can, I can confidently say this. Here at First Baptist Church, we are committed to the teaching of God's Word. We offer many opportunities for you to gather together with other Christians and engage in corporate Bible study because we are committed to the Word of God and to the studying of His Word. And while a daily time of personal study is absolutely critical to our growth as disciples, we cannot dismiss the importance of corporate Bible study, studying the Word of God together. It is equally important if we are to grow as disciples of Jesus. Here at First Baptist, we have a saying, and that is, you can't grow yourself by yourself. You can't grow yourself by yourself. You need to be in Bible study with other believers. God uses other believers to help us grow. You see, when you sit in a Bible study with other believers, you're going to gain insights into the Word of God that you will not gain if you are on your own. They were devoted to the study of God's Word, but they were also devoted to fellowship. Now, when we hear the word fellowship, what do we think about? Do you tend to think about, somebody said food. Yeah, we think about food, right? Especially as Baptists, right? Baptists love to eat. When we hear fellowship, we think of food. We think of potluck suppers, right? We think of cookies and punch. We think of church picnics. Or maybe we think about meeting in a specific part of the building that we call the fellowship hall. But biblical fellowship is more than just getting together and hanging out. Fellowship is a fundamental part of our identity as the people of God. You see, their coming together was not simply about faithful attendance or some spiritual routine, but they came together because there was a sense of joy when they were together. Because there was a love of God and a love for one another. I love how one commentator said it. He said, quote, The church is a real church only when it is a band of brothers. And obviously sisters as well, end quote. You see, true biblical community understands and embraces our need for one another. 
These men and women were devoted to one another like their lives depended on it. And guess what, church? They did. And you know what? Ours do as well. Again, these men and women were devoted to one another, which then leads to the question, do we have that same level of devotion in our church today? In the church, big C? Do we have the same desire to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ? The Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia, and the root meaning of this word is a commonness or commonality. It denotes some kind of sharing, either sharing something with someone or sharing in something someone else is experiencing. You see, biblical fellowship involves sharing our lives with one another. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. What a beautiful verse that Paul says, man, I love you guys so much that I don't want to just give you the gospel but I want to impart my own life to you. But you see, we have to understand something about biblical fellowship. It comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. Fellowship comes through giving. It's a giving of one's time, resources, and most importantly, of oneself. Again, another commentator said it like this, quote, so many people never know the joys of Christian fellowship because they have never learned to give themselves away, end quote. A little bit more uh, on what that fellowship looks like in a moment. We see also that they were devoted to worship. The Bible says that they were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, many scholars believe that when they talk about this breaking of bread, literally they were talking about their partaking of the Lord's Supper together. We're reminded of the words of Jesus when he said, For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, Jesus expected his people to partake of the Lord's Supper regularly. Because she regularly partaking of the Lord's Supper was a constant reminder of what Christ's death had accomplished on their behalf. And that is the forgiveness of our sins. Not only were they devoted to the partaking of bread, but they were devoted to prayer. You see, for the most part, we view prayer as something maybe that we do on our own. Something that we do prior to say, our meal. The last thing we do maybe before we go to bed at night or even as various parts of a worship service. I wonder if we've lost some of the importance of praying together. Why do we make such a big deal of the corporate prayer time in our service? Because we understand the power that there is in corporate prayer. Because you see, there's something unique and special that happens when the people of God come together and we pray together. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, Peter had been put in prison, and we read, so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. When you study the history of revivals, 
that have occurred throughout church history, you will find that in all of these great revivals, they were preceded by a great time of prayer. When God's people pray together, the Spirit of God moves in mighty ways. Again, I love how this commentator stated it. He said, quote, they were able, meaning those first disciples, they were able to meet the problems of life because first they had met with him, end quote. Biblical community is a devoted community. It's a community where also not only the study of God's word happens, but it's a community where the spirit of God moves. Biblical community is where the Spirit of God moves. Look at verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. What does awe mean? It's an overwhelming feeling of reverence and admiration. You see, there was a sense of wonder at what was occurring around them. You see, those early disciples understood that when God's Spirit was moving, something special was happening. Speaking of all, one commentator said, quote, all overwhelms the mind to get to the heart. All overwhelms the mind to get to the heart, end quote. You see, Christianity is, is not just assenting to a bunch of facts found in Scripture, but it's about allowing the truth of God's word to move from one's mind to penetrate one's heart. Because you see, when we allow the truth of God's word to penetrate our hearts, that's when life transformation really occurs. They were in awe of what God was doing around them and what God was doing in them and through them. You want to experience the Spirit of God moving in a mighty way? Then spend more time with God's people. I know that, that I have brothers and sisters in my life that when I'm around them, I can sense the Spirit of God and know that He is present. And it reminds us of the words of Jesus in Matthew 18, 20, when He said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, what? I am there in their midst. When God's people gather together, God's Spirit moves. You know, when we come together with brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be able to utter, utter the words of that old chorus, there's a sweet, sweet Spirit in this place. The first uh, verse of that, that chorus says, there's a sweet, sweet Spirit in this place. And I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know that it's the presence of the Lord. Biblical community is where the Spirit of God moves. And it's also where our needs are met. Biblical community is where our needs are met. Verses 44 and 45. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. You see, the body of Christ was made to, to offer support and love and care for one another and to do so in practical ways. 
One of the primary responsibilities that God has given the church, again, is to take away man's aloneness. Now hear me. God deals with man's sinfulness. Only God can handle that. But God has equipped the church, God works through the church in order to take away man's aloneness. And as we look at this scripture, we see how the body came together to meet needs. Now, I want to make sure, and I'm clear on this, and I've said this numerous times as I've taught this passage, this is not some early form of communism or socialism, all right? This is not a redistribution of wealth. Because this was not a forced giving of one's possessions. Notice that the selling of property and possessions came from a spirit of giving, and it was needs-based. These early Christians shared their possessions because they were generous, and they had learned generosity from God. For you see, God had been generous with them, and so they were determined to be generous with one another. Within a biblical community, there must be a spirit of generosity. In Acts chapter 20, 35, we're told in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. You see, the Lord promises to meet our every need, and He often meets those needs through other believers. 1 Peter 4.10 tells us, as each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, one of the lessons that my father taught me that has stayed with me is that when you see someone in need, and you can meet that need, then do it. Two years ago, around this time, I was in the hospital with COVID. I was in Austin for seven days. And if you remember at that, back at that time, it was hard to find a bed in a hospital. The hospitals were packed. There was no room. And there were several of our brothers and sisters in the congregation who have ties to the medical field that were making calls trying to find a bed for me. And then while I was in the hospital, my wife Bryn came down with COVID. Thankfully, she didn't have it as bad as I did, but she still had to quarantine uh, in, in our bedroom. And during that time, many of the sisters in this church brought food to our home and made sure that our kids were okay. And then when I came out of the hospital, because Bryn had COVID, my doctor didn't want me to immediately go home. So I actually had to quarantine in the Best Western Hotel here in town on 71 for like 10 or 11 days. And you can only imagine when you stay in a hotel for 10 or 11 days, the financial cost of that. Well, I remember one day a brother called me to check on me. And in the conversation, he just asked me, man, how much is it costing you to stay? in that hotel. And I told him, later on that day, Bryn calls me and tells me that that brother had come by our house and he left an envelope with money that covered the cost of my stay in that hotel. Also, when I was coming back uh, from Austin, another brother here in the church went and picked me up in the church van and brought me back. That's biblical community. 
That's biblical community. See, when it came to their possessions, these early Christians held them with open hands. See, so many times we want to hold on to our possessions with closed fists. But the Bible shows us that we should hold them with open hands. To the watching world, this kind of community doesn't make sense. The world would even see it as foolish. But this is what biblical community is. Biblical community is also joy-filled, and it's genuine. Verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. I want you to notice how often they were together. What did it say? Did it say once a week? Twice a week? Sundays and Wednesdays only? No. It says they were daily together. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on Acts said, quote, the Christians you meet in the book of Acts were not content to meet once a week for services as usual. They met daily. They cared for one another daily. They won souls daily. You see, they, these believers loved to be together and not just during the Sunday morning hour. You see, we read that they were in one another's homes. They shared meals together. And can I just say, isn't there something about sitting around a table with someone? There's something different about that. When you sit down and you share a meal together, you see, life gets real when you're sitting around the table. The table tends to make us a little more relaxed. This is why most of our growth groups meet in homes and they share a meal together when they meet. Because you see, these early Christians understood something. They understood that they were better together. The Bible says that there was gladness and sincerity of heart. You know, when I hear that word gladness, it makes me think that there was a lot of laughter around that table. Because you see, the Christian life is not just about following a bunch of rules. There's a lot of fun to be had in biblical community. Church, life is hard. And if we're not careful, we can allow the struggles of life to weigh us down and rob us of our joy. But when we're a part of biblical community, when we can gather together around the table and laugh and spend time together, that can help relieve some of those hardships. When I read that there was a sincerity of heart, what that tells me is that they were genuine Again, here at First Baptist, we have a saying, and that's real people being real. You see, these first Christians understood, and we're trying to be a church that understood, understands this as well, that we don't need to hide. We don't need to wear a mask, put on the Christian mask, and oh, everything's fine, it's great. No, we can be real with one another. We should be genuine. There should be a sincerity about us. The last thing that I would say about what biblical community looks like, biblical community is contagious. It's contagious. Look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all men, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those that were being saved. See, if true biblical community is happening in a church, it's going to draw attention. It's going to get the attention of the outside world. 
The non-Christians of this day were drawn to this biblical community because they were seeing what they were seeing was so different from what they were experiencing. Now, let me say this. You can come to church every single week. You can sit in this service. You can even go to a Bible study on Sunday morning. You can do all those things, and yet you can leave here without ever experiencing biblical community. Why? What is it that gets in the way? What is it that keeps us from experiencing this kind of biblical community? Let me briefly share a couple of things with you. One is our American culture. Our American culture, our way of life does not allow for biblical community. And what do I mean by that? One, we work too much as Americans. We work too much. According to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, did you know that Americans work 442 more hours a year than the Germans? We work 294 more hours a year than workers in the UK. We work 301 more hours a year than the French and 184 more hours a year than the Japanese. Only Chile, Greece, Korea, and Costa Rica average more hours worked per year. As Americans, we work too much. And why? Because we have allowed money to become an idol. We have placed a value on money over everything else. We believe that we must live to a certain standard of living, and we're always looking to increase that standard of living, which means we need more money. But because we're working all the time, we don't have time to fellowship with other brothers and sisters. Another part of that American culture is an overemphasis on our children's school and extracurricular activities. You see, we've bought into the lie that if our kids are going to be well-rounded individuals, they need to be in every single thing we can put them in. But let me ask you this. If you're always running from activity to activity, when do you have time to fellowship and build community with other believers? It's not there. I remember growing up, many Friday nights or Saturday nights, my family going over to other families' houses in the church, families getting together and hanging out. Many times on Sunday evenings after Sunday night service, many families would go to Dairy Queen together and just hang out. Or at my previous church, I remember after the Sunday evening service, there was a group of senior adults that always went to Schlotzky's and Temple. And Brent and I and another uh, young couple and their family would join them and go and have a great time uh, with them, getting to know them. Basically, what this comes down to, church, is that our lives are too busy We're too busy. We filled our lives with so much stuff that we don't have time for community, biblical community. And it's time that we start learning how to say the word no. Because you see, even though we're busy, the things that we're doing aren't necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but are they the best things? You see, you got to be able to say no to the good things so that you can say yes to the best things. Here's also another hard truth, because I hear this all the time. We're busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. You know what? We're all busy, and we all have the same 24 hours a day, right? Does anyone in here have more than 24 hours in a day or less than? No. We all have the same amount, but here's the deal when it comes to time. You make time for the things that are important to you. 
You make time. Which leads me to another thing that keeps us from experiencing biblical community, and that's very simply apathy. We just don't care to take part in biblical community. Which, what does that say? That we don't value it. Nah, Pastor Justin, I'm not interested in being a part of a Sunday morning adult Bible study group. I'd rather sleep in a little bit. I'm not interested in joining a growth group on Sunday nights. I, I just want to stay home and, and take it easy. I got to go back to work the next day, so I don't, I don't really want to be out. Okay. I want to ask you this. What did you do on Saturday? What was your Saturday filled with? Because I'll tell you this. You valued whatever you did on Saturday. That was important. So logic says then what you did on Saturday was more important than you being in biblical community on Sunday. Again, I, I don't, again, it's hard to say, and I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not necessarily casting stones. I'm just speaking truth. We make time for what's important to us. We make time for what's important to us. It's a matter of priorities. Remember what the Bible says in Hebrews 10.25. Do not forsake the assembling together. Now again, I understand. There's, there are some valid reasons why people can't be involved in those things. One is health, right? Sometimes our health prevents us. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of us that are capable and able to be a part of biblical community and yet we are choosing other things over biblical community. That's what I'm talking about here. And then very lastly, what keeps us from experiencing biblical community? Fear keeps us from it. The fear of being vulnerable. We're afraid to open up our lives to, to one another because we're worried, right? We're worried, well, what if, they, what if they see something in me that they don't like? They may see the real me and not like me. Or if I tell them what I struggle with, they may judge me. And there may be some sitting in here today that, that feel that way because that's been your experience in biblical community. You opened up and you shared something, but you weren't met with understanding and love and care. You were met with judgment and condemnation. Let me tell you, church, church hurt is real. Church hurt is real. And we don't need to deny that. But I would say this, if you've opened up in the past and, and your experience has been hurt, you didn't receive care, I wanted to tell you the failure there is not on your part for opening up and sharing. The failure is on that biblical community's part for not responding to you in love and care. If we want to experience a life-changing biblical community, we have to start allowing others into our lives. And so I want to end with these challenges first. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to ask you today and challenge you, is biblical community a priority in your life? And again, listen, when I say biblical community, as I said before, we're talking about biblical community found in the context of the local church. Because when we're talking community in Scripture, it's found in the local church. You can find all kinds of community outside of the church, but biblical community in the context of Scripture is spoken of in the local church. And so, I want to ask you today, are you plugged into this community? Are you plugged into a Sunday morning Bible study? 
where, where brothers and sisters are coming together each week to study God's word? Are you plugged into a growth group where real community is formed? I'm telling you, if you come just to Sunday morning worship, this hour right here, and you're looking for community, it's going to be real hard for you to find community just by coming to this service. If you want to find real community, you have to get into one of these groups because that's where community is found. If you want that, if you're looking for that, please talk to me. That's part of my main role here is to help you to plug into community. Then lastly, if you're here today, maybe you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but you've heard me talk today about this community, and you would say, Pastor Justin, I want to be a part of something like that. I want you to know first, you're welcome here. As Pastor Steve said earlier in our vision, you belong. You are welcome to come to our Bible study groups. You are welcome to be a part of our growth group, but I need you to understand something, and that's the first step to experiencing community starts with placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because you see, it's Christ who is the foundation upon which this community is built. And so if you don't ever trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, then you'll never really be able to experience and understand this community that we've spoken of today. Here in a moment, we're going to have a, a song of invitation and you're going to have an opportunity to respond to that. If that's you, if you want to know this Jesus that we've spoken of and to have this kind of community, there's going to be people up here. Would you please just come and let us tell you how you can be a part of this community. But whatever decisions need to be made, now is that time. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time. Lord, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.